0: Welcome to the Make It a Great Day movement. We're part of and supporting the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. We call this the Suicide Prevention Show. Why? Because we are all about making suicide a thing of the past. And to help us do that, I have the most amazing, the most wonderful, the most fun person to be around, my friend, Danielle Silverman. Danielle gets A special mention in my heart, because when I first started doing live in-person three-day events, Danielle came from another country to support me and to support my students, and she coached my students to get the most out of the event, and because of her willingness to show up, everything in my life changed. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you. To Danielle Silverman. Hey Danielle, how are
1: you? I'm good. It's so good to see you, Jackie.
0: (laughs) It's good to see you too. Oh my goodness. All right, I have to ask, what's the temperature where you are?
1: Oh my goodness, it's it's well, it's Celsius degree. It's over thirty, I think. Hot sweltering. Hot sweltering. How unusual. (laughs) (laughs) Yes six months earlier it would have been minus 30 but that's okay
0: (laughs) yeah you do live in a dramatic climate
1: yes i noticed that a lot of your guests today have been from canada which was really cool it's
0: really cool yeah so tell everybody what part of canada you're in
1: i'm in montreal Ah, the french-speaking part of canada yes
0: there you go yeah absolutely (laughs) yes cool i am super super happy that you were able to come on and i know you bring such a wealth of information, but before I let you start educating people, sure. let's, let's chat for a minute and tell me, yep. what's the best thing that's happened to you in the last few weeks?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, well, like you, I've hosted an online summit uh, and I've discovered that I very much enjoy it. Uh, and uh, well, I've been involved in a movement called reinvention, which is what I'm gonna be talking about. Uh, And that has completely changed my life. It has uh, given me meaning and uh, uh, allowed me to meet some absolutely amazing people. Mm. Uh, and, And so, yeah, it's just been very rich, very, very fulfilling.
0: I love that. All right. So because I like things to be completely spontaneous and this is your show. They've been getting the world according to Jackie. Now we're going to go in the world according to Danielle. Yeah. What do you want to do? What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Because I know you have some slides.
1: Well, I only have one slide actually. Towards yeah. the end, what I'd like to do is sort of as an intro, tell you, um, tell everybody uh, what it is that attracted me to to come and speak on your show. First of all, um, I always say yes to a speaking opportunity anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and especially if you're, if you're the one doing the asking, um, but, uh, I, it's very interesting because, um, I, uh, suicide was not something that was necessarily top of mind for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is interesting is that when I was, I'd call it middle-aged, uh, about 18 years ago, uh, I went through a, a very, very dark period. Uh, in my life, uh, where what we would call a burnout, if you will, uh, where I was actually stuck at home for two years and I did have some suicidal thoughts at the time. Uh, When I came out of that dark period, I actually changed careers uh, and became a coach and I started helping people who were going through career transitions, so transitions in general. Mm -hmm. And, and the topic I speak about is change, and that's how I, I came to reinvention. But uh, when I know that you, you talk about teen suicide or suicide attempts, and I was um, very honoured to, to participate in, in the book, Make It a Great Day. Um, and so when you asked me to talk, and um, the, the subject that I'm now talking about, and I did a presentation just a few weeks ago on reinvention and uh, getting older the reinvention and aging and it occurred to me that nobody really talks about suicide attempts in the older population and there's actually very little information on that very few studies that have been i managed to find some things and I will re- relate to, to some things as well but I think it's, an, it's important to talk about how we handle changes. as we get older how we reinvent ourselves and how that can help us uh, stay healthy and, and stay connected uh, with people. So that's, I don't know, as part of a, as an introduction, uh, how does that's, that work for you? That's a really good introduction. I like that a
0: lot. Okay. Why here? And you're right, there, there you said a couple of really powerful things. One is that what's really happening in the senior population is not as easily discernible because the statistics are not clear. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's really kind of a, a nebulous kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. So depending on who you listen to, it's a really high risk group right mm-hmm. now. Because is. isolation is a key element right. and that's what we're all experiencing more of. Though so without the connection via the internet, you know, without being able to Zoom and have conversations, then we have a lot of seniors who do not have that technological capability for right. various reasons. Right. So yes. yes, it's an important conversation. And I'm delighted that you brought it up because we're dealing with an epidemic that knows no boundaries, no age, no country, no demographic. There are a few pockets that are piling up numbers that are just like scary. Um, and then there are the ones we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm delighted that you brought it up. When I teach the six steps, it, that step of introducing the conversation is always um, generation specific, you know, tribal specific. Have you heard about the rise in this group? Mm -hmm. suicide in this group and it's for that very reason we have to be able to talk about what we care about we have to be able to talk about what we know about and then the other thing you said that i really loved was if you're reinventing if you have something to look forward to that's like the the you, you don't have a suicidal issue period You don't have to be talked off the ledge. You don't have to know how to talk yourself off the ledge. You're never going to go near the ledge. You're too busy reinventing. You have something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And that was why when you said you were wanting to, I talk about reinvention, I'm like, oh, uh, let me think about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, perfect topic.
1: Yeah, Yeah. okay, cool. (sighs) All right, so how should we do this? I just start? Yeah, you just start. you just start and I'll follow. Okay. There you go.
0: So the hallmark of you, your leader, you go first.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, uh, and, and I'm going to just going to talk and if uh, anybody has, I'm not going to look at the chat cause I, I, I don't think That's not I your job at the same time. So if you have any questions, 80. just interrupt me and let me know got um, in the chat. So. Okay. Yeah, we got, we got tech support
0: in the background, people. I am so blessed.
1: Cool, very cool. So I, for me, it started actually a uh, couple of months ago when I met somebody, uh, um, we'll call her Susan. I'm not using real names. I'll tell you when, it's, when, when I'm using a real name, but for the most part, I won't be using real names to protect the innocent. Um, I met this woman uh, who said to me that she was retiring soon and that she was panicking. She said, I don't know what I'm going to do and so when i asked her what the reason was for that she was retiring she said well i'm turning 65 this summer and it occurred to me that why does turning 65 mean that you have to retire because once upon a time you know we worked for uh, people worked for an organization for 30 years 40 years and then at, at the age of 65 the government dictated that you had to retire you were given a gold watch and you went off and did who knows what. We didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. But the definition of senior today has changed dramatically. It's a moving target. And we don't really know uh, what it is. And, and I think we need a new vocabulary. A lot of people take exception to the word senior. Do we call elderly, older people as we get older, aging? We don't know. Uh, and there are countless examples around us in the world of famous people who have never retired. Uh, thinking of Queen Elizabeth, for example, uh, who at the age of 93 or 94 is still working. Uh, so the definition of what it is, you know, we have to think about that. We have to figure out what, what that means. And it isn't because you turn 65 that all of a sudden the switch goes, goes off that you, you can't do anything anymore. I want to share with you some, some stories of people that I know in my life who have reinvented themselves in later years. Um, the first person I like to talk about, I'll call him John. Uh, he was an engineer by profession. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, quite ill most of his life, uh, especially in, uh, as, as an adult. Uh, he suffered from something called chronic fatigue syndrome. Uh, and in the process of trying to get better, he he took up yoga for himself. And, and, he, and bear in mind, he was in his 70s when he started taking up yoga. And he found that it was so beneficial that he started learning how to teach yoga, but not just, you know, like normal yoga that you go to, you know, uh, in a class somewhere. He started learning how to teach yoga to people who couldn't, for one reason or the other, do the pose the way it was originally intended.
0: Mm.
1: And he learned that um, one could sit in a chair or even be lying down, and the pose could be adapted and still have the same benefits. And so what he started to do was he volunteered at a place called Hope and Cope, which is um, a place where people go uh, for cancer treatment and for, for support in, mm-hmm. in, their, in their cancer um, journey. Uh, and he, would, he was given a room, and whoever was present that day in the waiting room, either waiting for a treatment or waiting to get fitted for a wig or whatever it is, he, he, they would come to his class and he would teach twice a week. He would teach, uh, he would teach them a yoga class. And he had an incredible following of people and he would, he he taught uh, up until two months before his death, which was um, not quite three years ago. A very inspiring, inspiring story. George is another person I like to talk about because he actually did, quote unquote, retire officially. Uh, He was, he owned his own business. He advised his partner, he advised his, his, uh, his clients. Uh, his, anyway, he just, he just decided one day that he was going to retire. (laughs) And he came to me two years later and he said, Danielle, I want to do some work. I said, so what's the problem? And he said, well, I've already told people that I've retired. I said, so what's the problem? (laughs) Um, In other words, you have the energy just because you're 70 doesn't mean you don't have the, the wherewithal or the energy or whatever to do what you do, what you want to do. And, and as a matter of fact, he did get some, some contracts after that. And he also writes uh, a journal called Les, Les, uh, Les Chroniques de l'Oisiveté. And l'Oisiveté is, you know, when you, when you do nothing, And, and you know, in Italian you would say niente. Uh, and a chronicle of this, <sighs> this, um, which is very popular he's got an amazing following um,
0: I can believe that because there are people who are like with doing nothing the fine art of doing nothing the
1: fine art of doing nothing exactly he's,
0: he's
1: he's even he's made it into a profession really when and he writes beautifully so it's absolutely amazing I can tell you countless stories. Uh, One story in particular is a a friend of mine, uh, someone I went to school with, she wouldn't mind my giving her name. Uh, Her name is Gita. Uh, She started a PhD program when she was in her mid-60s. And she wrote a book afterwards based on her thesis, which she called The Inheritors, Moving Forward from Generational Trauma. She's Mm -hmm. now over 70, and uh, she conducts groups uh, where She uh, hosts dialogues where people can talk about uh, their trauma and the inherited trauma, uh, because that is a thing, uh, and how to move forward from generational trauma, things that may have happened to us. So we think, for example, of people who have survived the Holocaust, the children of people who have survived the Holocaust, but here in Canada, we also talk about um, um, uh, Indigenous people who have suffered great trauma uh, through uh, um, through having been you know, taken away from their families and put into schools. Uh, so there, there is a, a huge need for this kind of conversation. And this is someone who started this very late in life. So an incredible reinvention. What's interesting is that while I was putting this, this original talk together a few weeks ago, uh, Colleague of mine, friend of mine, sent me a um, a link to a podcast uh, where uh, a lady by uh, by the name of Mary Gergen was being interviewed, and uh, it just so happens that Mary Gergen is a friend of Gita's, and I've heard so I've heard her name before, uh, and so it was very interesting that uh, that all of this came together. And when I mentioned it to Gita, she said every connection is meaningful and magical. So we're gonna, that, that word connection, and you, you talked about it uh, just a minute ago, uh, Jackie, is, is very important. Yeah. Mary Gergen is also a very interesting uh, person because uh, she uh, she is now, if you want to call the word retired, she's, she's no longer teaching uh, at, uh, she was teaching at Tilburg University in the Netherlands. And she's the founder, the co-founder of something called the Toes Institute. And she, uh, she writes something called the Positive Aging Newsletter, which is very interesting. And in this podcast that she did with uh, Robin Stratton-Burkissel, who's known as the positivity strategist.
0: Oh, yeah. She lives near me. Really? Yeah.
1: <laughs> cool. That is cool. <laughs> oh, my
0: goodness. I'm like, wait a minute. I know that. Name. There cannot yeah. be people with that name.
1: Robin Stratton-Burkissel, yeah, the Positive Aging Podcast. Mm-hmm is what Mary Gergen was on. And uh, so I listened to this podcast, fascinated. Uh, and I heard Mary define aging as a developmental period of life full of opportunities and gratification, not decline. Ooh. And she went on to say, I, not decline, interesting. And some of the examples that I just gave you, I think prove that as well.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. My favorite example is Grandma Moses. Right. He didn't pick up a paintbrush until she was 73.
1: Right. Well, yeah. um, what's his name? The actor, uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, who I think didn't start acting till he was in his 40s or something like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's really just the assumption that you retire was a, um, in American history, it is thought of as the construct of the industrial age, right. where you worked at something right. you didn't like. And after 40 years, you wanted to have whatever was left. And by the way, back then, whatever was left was maybe one or two years because the life expectancy was not so long on a very generalized level.
1: So one, because life expectancy was not not as long as it is today. And also because people all of a sudden, when they stopped doing what they knew how to do, they didn't know how to do anything else. (laughs) And And so they were like, Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you know, there's nothing. People
0: used to have hobbies. Yes. And then work started becoming like scope creep. Yeah. yeah. And, and, or we would have hobbies that were associated with our work, which we're seeing a lot of, you know, in certain areas where you, you play a certain game like golf because that's where you have the conversations that you know, matter in, yeah. in your career. But once you're done work, you don't ever want to pick up a golf club again. You know, it wasn't a hobby. It was just an extension of the job. But yeah, so I agree. I think that we're in a different age now. We don't have right. those things that would support
1: us. Right. So there was something else Mary said that, that I found very interesting. She said, instead of living up to, and I'm quoting her, instead of living up to self-handicapping stereotypes at this time of life, we can shift focus to the things that we didn't have at a younger age. Mm. And this more creative approach brings pride, self-respect, and changes how we behave in the world as an older person. So what I, what I saw in here is that there is an appreciative side
0: uh-huh.
1: to the process of aging, right? Um, Mary Gergen also says that categorizing people by their chronological age is taking away from the immense diversity that exists within every age. Oh, I
0: love that. I love that. I mean, the last thing somebody would want to do is put my guy, Mark, in any way, shape or form, categorized by age.
1: Right, right. Um, Yeah. And I think often what happens is that the discrimination or the lack of understanding about aging is what brings about negative perceptions and negative expectations. And that taints even the very people who are aging. Right.
0: Yeah. Because expectations are like a pre-planning. Right. And, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, let's talk about that expectations are a kind of pre-planning what are you expecting next year to look like people you might want to just not plan for them um, <laughs> and, and you know let's get a different mindset around this a different positive a different positive possible outcome
1: right so let's take a let's take a deeper look now at the first person i talked to you about we, i called her susan when I started digging a little bit further to find out what was making her so anxious at the idea of retirement, what we uncovered was fear. Okay. And so I asked her a little bit about, to tell me a little bit about this fear. And, And it was, her answer was very interesting. She said, literally, she said, there are two kinds of fear. She said that there was fear, and then there was fear of the unknown. And in Susan's case, the fear of the unknown had a lot to do with the fact that she wasn't even yet in the process of discovering what that unknown might be. And her personality was such that she couldn't handle the lack of control that came with the unknown. Ah. But I was intrigued by this idea of the presence of two kinds of fear. Okay. So I did a little bit of research and discovered that there actually <laughs> was uh, literature out there on the fact that there, is, there are two kinds of fear. I found it in, in the Buddhist uh, priest, the Vietnamese Buddhist priest, Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm. He, talked, he talks about original fear, which is reconciling with our past and what is inherited from our ancestors. So that's the survival of, uh, that we talk about from the cavemen, right? Uh, and then there is the fear Inherit and also the fear inherited from our more modern ancestors. So what my friend Gitte talks about as inherited trauma, right? That's the original fear.
0: Okay. So, so anything that originated before I was born or from the people around
1: me? Way back. Yes. As far back as the caveman. Yes. Wow. Original fear. Right. Got it. And then there is the fear of the unknown, which, you know, we could call fear of the future or fear of death. Right. And when we get Older, we start thinking about that, and we start wondering about it. although I have to tell you, I had fear of death when I was much younger. a lot less fear now, but that's another story for another day. Um, but
0: actually, that's a story that we're going to be hearing a lot of threads of um, because once you've come through that dark night of the soul, once you've walked through that valley then you have less fear of anything is what and this is the journey that everyone's going on with me over this weekend so thank you for yes. giving the
1: future <laughs> yes that that's that's you're absolutely right actually that that is indeed uh, yeah right so when when we when talk about this particular kind of fear uh what Thich Nhat Hanh says is that ra- instead of running away from it mm. he recommends looking directly into the seeds of this fear And he uses something he calls the five practices of the five remembrances. Okay. And he looks deeply at each remembrance while breathing in and breathing out with the awareness of each so as to engage (laughs) our fear in an empowered way. And I just, I want to share the first remembrance with you. Um, It's, well, they're all very powerful and maybe I'll just talk about all of them, but The first one says, I am of the nature to grow old. I cannot escape growing old. That is a truth Mm -hmm. that is universal and inevitable, but we live in denial, even though we know deep down that it is true. But when we suppress our fearful thoughts, Mm -hmm. they fester in the dark. So the Buddhists believe that if you get in touch with the truth that we cannot escape, old age and death, our fear and the foolish things we, we do to try not to feel it will cease. <clears throat> so we no longer will act out our fears unconsciously and, and fuel that cycle that makes them grow stronger. Ah, okay. And one of the things we can do, and that we're, I've been doing a lot of this, by the way, especially in this uh, pandemic period, is to list our fears list them down bring them out into the open and then so you talk about them you you look at them and then you put them into different categories what can you not control what what do you have control over first of all what do you have influence over and what 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 is it that you cannot control and very often what i found in in this exercise is that there are more things in our control than there are that are not in our control Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It was very, very interesting outcome of these exercises. So just quickly, I'm just going to name the other four remembrances just so you know what they are. I I find them very interesting. The second is I am of the nature to have ill health. I cannot escape having ill health. Uh, The third is I am of the nature to die. I cannot escape death. Uh, And then all that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them.
0: Uh
1: And the last one is, I inherit the results of my acts of body, speech, and mind. My actions are my continuation. I think this is what is known as karma. (laughs) So the idea is that when we practice accepting these truths, Mm -hmm. we we can have peace, and we have the capacity to live conscious, healthy, and compassionate lives when we talk about getting older, um, many of the reasons people have trouble we talked about I talked a little bit about the studies uh, many of the reasons that uh, some people have trouble I'm trying to find my notes here it is um, have trouble. Um, or have suicidal thoughts is, um, you know, um, because of social exclusion, social isolation, mm-hmm. uh, loneliness, and bereavement. So if you've lost someone close to you, uh, this has an impact on uh, on your mental state. Mm-hmm. Um, mental neurocognitive disorders, depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders, all of those uh, that may be present also in older people, mm-hmm. increase the risk of of uh, of suicide uh, attempts and suicide ideation um, and many other factors as well cognitive impairment, psychological pain, physical pain all of these come into play um, The other thing that I found interesting uh, when we talk about uh, about these ideas in in an uh, an older population uh, is that the, as, as, the, as age increases, the, um, the tendency to ask the doctor uh, to help with suicide or to ask for an, an end-of-life pill increases. When oh, in Canada, okay. we have legalized euthanasia. It also exists, I think, in nine different states in the U.S. and the District of Columbia. So, and, so there are some studies that, are, that have been done and, and, and it's been found that the, these requests actually increase with age.
0: Well, and that makes sense. Um, yeah. Because they, it, they increase when people's sense of purpose decreases.
1: Right. So thank you for that. It's a great segue because what I'm going to talk about is the sense of purpose. Oh, Can we reinvent as we get older? And I think the answer is absolutely. Uh, I've, I've uh, seen it in many people and some, some examples I've shared with you. Um, but one reason, I think, it is the fear is one reason why some older people just can't figure out how to reinvent. Um,
0: yeah, because when we are in a state of fear, we don't have access to the parts of our mind that are in charge of, uh, well, planning, curiosity, right. creativity, exactly. you know, any of that. So w- this wonderful conversation about, and and I'm sorry, but if there's a sentence that, dis- that just is like, this is what they're going to put on your tombstone. Are you ready? Uh-oh. <laughs> I did a little research. <laughs> I did a little research. You want to know what is so... Um, forever young about you is that I did a little research mentality. Ah, I'll just do a little research. You know, this is what this lust for la- for learning it just ends and it. Well, one, it's very very inspiring, and two, it is the eternal youth. And so what? Eternal it's a, youth. You never, oh, you're you never bored.
1: Yeah, no, certainly not.
0: <laughs> Other words might apply, but you're never bored. You
1: know? Yeah. So um, what's interesting about the stories that I related is that um, while these people did manage to successfully reinvent themselves, I would venture to say that they did it Accidentally. The reinvention came to them as a process of living Mm -hmm. through their own curiosity or simply stemming from their desire to stay active in a way that was interesting or creative or fun for them. Mm -hmm. There was no plan. Got it. No one decides, say at the age of 30, I must plan for what I want to do when I turn 65. Right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. But what if there was a plan? What if instead of an accidental reinvention, we were to have a planned reinvention of our aging?
0: Oh, no. There's a thought.
1: Yeah. So I thought first it might help to look at a a definition of reinvention, because that is one of the the catchwords that's being used and tossed around constantly since the beginning of this pandemic. well actually there's more than one definition and since i work as a professional in reinvention i'm not going i'm going to spare you the the theoretical definitions but what <laughs> it is it's about evolving all the time and and uh, th- this is an aspect of reinvention that i think it is important that we talk about as we get older
0: i just it, realized what the problem is with reinvention what I was told my entire life, don't reinvent the wheel. Ah. Don't reinvent the wheel. What? So this, this is, I've got this, like, wait, a minute, what's my resistance here? But I just got it. Somebody told me not to reinvent. And now they were talking about, you know, don't try to figure out and solve a problem that's already been solved but my problem might look like your problem my retirement might look like your retirement on the surface the odds are it ain't gonna be the same right all right so here's where that old thing of don't reinvent the wheel does not apply correct
1: and keep that in mind because that's a limiting belief that you had that you grew up with and we're going to talk about that in a second yes so what i think that how we should look at reinvention Uh, at any age, but particularly as we grow older, it's about an approach to thriving in chaos. And we know we're living in a chaotic world. We're living in a a, um, 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 volatile world, uncertain, chaotic, ambiguous. That's the world we live in. Mm -hmm. So reinvention is about anticipating that change. And, you know, we can anticipate that we're going to get older Right? Yeah. Uh, we can design that change and then we can implement it by continuously making sense of what we know and what we learn. Mm-hmm. It's about being open to the possibilities that are ahead of us. Cool. So the the question I asked myself was what would a planned reinvention look like? And I sat down to actually build a model. And if you don't mind, that is the slide I would like to share oh, as, cool. as I talk around it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, what is what is reinvention? Uh-huh, plan.
1: Okay, oh, now yeah. how do I share my screen? Where am I here? Share my screen.
0: Yeah, it's that green button at the bottom. Right. But Wait a minute. It, oh, it works. Look at that.
1: Okay, hold on a second. Let me get it.
0: Yep, yeah, make it big. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh,
0: what I know that
1: picture. <laughs> you do?
0: <laughs> yeah, it looks a lot like where I live.
1: <laughs> okay. okay, I'm just going to show it like this, if that's okay.
0: As long as you can make that full screen so we can see it.
1: Uh, yeah, but if I make it full screen, then I won't be able to see my screen and I need to be okay. able to see my screen.
0: Oh, that's a shame, oh. because I could teach you how to go around that with alt tab, but you're probably um, on a
1: Mac, yep, you are. Okay, no, let me make it full screen. That's fine. I'll make it full screen. All right. That's, thank are you. Are you okay? Yeah, that's much better. Okay. So it starts with the self at the core, right? Um, and, uh, and then you start asking a series of questions, right? Uh, starting with the general category that's in your top left-hand corner, which is what has your life been about? Okay. And uh, you can ask questions like, what do you, people come to you for? You know, what what... Jen, it's interesting because when I I gave some examples of that, uh, I have a a lady that I study with, uh, her, people come to her when they want to change, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Or they may may come to you because they need advice about a certain thing or because, you know, when I was younger, people would come to me because I was good at helping them with their CVs and their interview questions and all that. This is is what I'm known for, what I was known for. Got it. Um, And um, in the course of, I I just gave this presentation last week, actually, and and somebody, and I gave the example of, you know, um, actually, this answers the second question, which is, what do people say you should do or be? Uh, And uh, I used, I said, well, you know, I love entertaining. I love having people over and making dinner and, you know, putting on the beautiful tablecloth and the flower arrangement and whatever. And. And, uh, and, and friends always say to me, oh, you should open your own restaurant or, oh, you should, you should open your own bakery or whatever. And that's the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah. And my colleague just last week said, you know, Danielle, I have to interrupt you right now because what it is that you do and, and who you are is that you host. You love hosting people. And this is what I've been doing for the past three months is hosting online events. Uh, and, and loving every second of it. So what do people come to you for? What do people say you should be or do? And what you can do at this point is when I write uh, your life story. So we go to the bottom right-hand side. This is your life story. Oh, okay. Writing your life story doesn't have to be a novel. You write it in five-year increments in bullet points. So from birth to age five, the major things that happened in your life, and uh, the things that you remember, the emotions that came up for you, the feelings that came up for you, the, the critical incidents that, that marked that period in your life, right? Um, and when you're finished writing that life story,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there are three things uh, that will come out of there. Um, the, the, the first is what I call a driving motivator. Um, And that's very much like uh, what you talked about uh, just a minute ago, Jackie, when you said people tell you, don't reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. That's something you grow up knowing and you have it there in the back of your mind. And everything you do in life is consciously or probably unconsciously, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, tainted with this knowledge Right, That's a powerful word. <laughs> so, um, and it's usually something that comes to us from childhood, something that we grew up with, and mm-hmm. you're, that was a perfect example. Don't reinvent the wheel. So I can't reinvent. I'm told it, it was. It's an unconscious belief that we have that just simply doesn't serve us anymore. Right. Um, so thank you for that example. Um, the example I usually give is, uh, when I was 15, I told my dad, I wanted to be a doctor. And he said to me, and I think that was the story, part of the story I, I told in the uh, make it a great day. Uh, he said to me, yeah, I know you, you'll never be a doctor. And so I spent the next 10 years of my life trying to prove him wrong. <laughs> when I could have been doing something else to figure out what it is I was supposed to be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that is a driving motivator, something that keeps us from being able to move forward.
0: Okay. So I, a driving unmotivator. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. Um, The second thing we look for when we we read somebody's life story is an interrupted dream. What did you Ah. always want to do, but didn't for some reason? Maybe it's time to take it out of the closet, shake it off and revisit it. And and say, you know, is it it feasible? Is it doable? Is it something that I love to do? right? Mm -hmm. Um, And the third thing uh, that we look at is the golden thread. And the golden thread is really, you know, something that has always been there in your life that always uh, presented itself, but you weren't necessarily aware of it at the time until you start to write down your life story and you realize what, what that golden thread is. And for me, that golden thread originally, when I, when I first came out of my depression and went back uh, and changed careers, what I realized was that I liked helping people. But that was only one piece of the picture a couple of years ago, I went back and I did my own life story, and I realized that the second most important thing in my life, was, in addition to helping people, was that I love speaking in public. I started reciting poetry in public in high school when I was 13 years old, and winning prizes for that. And then I did live theater, and then now I speak in public in, in many different forms. It's it's part of the fabric of who I am and, and it and it was there. If I when I saw the the different pieces of the life story, it was there. Um, and in and, and even more recently, when I started digging deeper in it's the beauty of stories, okay, because I, as I see you see here on the left hand side stories, and you've talked about stories as well, the beauty of relating all of these stories is, it brings out the richness of what's going on. And the summit, the Reinvention Summit that we hosted uh, at the end of April, beginning of May, was all about stories. Stories that would inspire people to be able to move forward. Mm -hmm. And the, the more I looked at these stories, the more I realized that what made public speaking so wonderful for me, is that I have an innate talent for timing, Um, that I have a beautiful voice, apparently, Um, and good listening skills. So all of that ties together. It's all about the stories. It's all about the stories that we tell ourselves all the time. And within those stories, there's tremendous richness. Mm -hmm. So once we've written our, our life story, we need to ask ourselves what do we want our life to be about? Ah. Right? And that's basically what is the essence of the dream or perhaps uh, a better question. So we've got four questions here, um, but you could actually actually only ask one and it would be enough. And that is, what has your whole life been about? Ah, yes.
0: Okay. So what has your whole life been about? Right. It is certainly important to go through the lifeline, these collection of those stories before you try to answer that question.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, there's there. there's an order. There's an order to it. And then you can begin to rewrite your life story, which is at the top right-hand side, the rebirth. And I have a process that I take people through to be able to get there. It's five steps, five Mm, I don't like calling them steps. Whatever you want to call them, uh, five well, stop essences. If, um,
0: that should. If you're, are you done with this? You could stop sharing. Yeah.
1: That. Yeah. No, I can stop sharing my screen. That's fine. Okay.
0: There we cool. go. Now, now I can see you again. So, five, five elements. Five...
1: five elements. I like that word. There we go.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Five elements. Great. So the first element that I have is vision. It doesn't have to be in that order, by the way. It, it's kind of iterative.
0: That's why elements fit you better than steps. Steps yes. have to be
1: done in an order. Yeah, correct. So these, these are not necessarily in an order. But the thing about vision is, um, uh, is that you have to have a dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking earlier today, uh, Jackie, about uh, raising your kids with, uh, with musicals, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned The Sound of Music. Well, um, you remember the, the musical Oklahoma? Uh-huh. But on Oklahoma, South Pacific. Uh-huh. South Pacific. There's a very famous song in there that says uh, you have to have a dream. Because oh. if you don't have a dream, how can you make a dream come true? Happy talk. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So that's the that's the essence of the element of vision. And we can we there are many ways that we can work through to help you get there. Um, the second element I talk about is courage. And you've heard me talk about my skydiving story, um, but the, the 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 really interesting thing is, courage is about acknowledging the risk that is there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and acting in the face of it. There you go. There is risk. That's okay. It's a choice that we make, and the courage is in the choice and in the decisions that we make. Yeah. Um, the recently, I something we shared uh, a video of this woman who is 103 years old. She started skydiving when she was 100 years old. Good for her. And she did it to raise money, I think, for her daughter, who for the cause of cancer, because her daughter had died from cancer. Mm-hmm. At 100 years old, and she was doing it every year on her birthday, and the last one was she was 103 years old. It's unbelievable. Anyway. the. Um, The third element that I like to talk about is determination. Mm -hmm. And determination is about intention, it's about focus, and it's also about managing that fear that we've been talking about. And that, uh, it reminds me, when I talk about determination, I like to talk about a a quote by Rabbi Hillel, who said, I get up, I walk, I fall down. Meanwhile, I keep dancing. I love that quote.
0: Um,
1: The fourth element is letting go. And this is probably or possibly one of the more difficult things to practice. Uh, Letting go is primarily about accepting that there are things that we cannot change and embracing the things that we can. It's about optimism, about mindfulness. And for someone who doesn't believe in it, it is also about faith. Yes. Faith oh. in the universe, faith in humanity, faith in yourself. Mm-hmm. And the last element that I talk about is self-care. And I think it's the most important of the five elements because without it, we can't enjoy our reinvention. We ah. can't take advantage of the richness that lies ahead. Um, so and and I've heard several people today talk about self-care, talk about, you know, putting the mask on oneself first. That's what it is. And part of self-care is in creating a social network to avoid isolation.
0: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Uh, That's right. why we're building a community of advocates. That's why right. we're doing the work that we're doing, because this is... Caring for yourself first is being in a community where it's safe to have a reinvention conversation. Right. You know, because there are a lot of people in our lives who, you mentioned reinvention, they're going to get scared because right. they're comfortable where they are. And if you change, they might have to adapt. You know, nothing wrong with that. That's just them being them.
1: Right. You know, so um, that's interesting because. Back to my original example of Susan, who was afraid of retirement, Yeah. the more we talked about things, uh, the more she came up with ideas of things that she might want to do. For example, she said, oh, I, you know, I would just love to go to the children's hospital and hold babies in my arms and just rock them, just sit in uh, a rocking chair and hold them. And there's a need for that.
0: Yeah, there's a whole volunteer organization. There's a whole
1: thing. volunteer organization of people who do just that. Yeah. She said, I'd like to do that two days a week. And I'd like to uh, uh, go and volunteer at, a, at a, uh, a, an animal shelter because I love animals. So, you know, little by small, there, there are some things that all of a sudden she said, oh, yeah, I could do that, you know, and I could still work two days a week. Why not? Right. I came across, um, <clears throat> excuse me, as I was preparing, I came across a quote um, by Jim Collins, who's uh, the author of a book called Good to Great, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and Others Don't. Uh, he was reflecting on something that he, he, he learned from the management guru, Peter Drucker. Mm-hmm. And he said, for older people, the critical question is not how can we achieve, but what can we contribute? And I would venture to say that we can we continue to contribute throughout our lives until the very last minute. I you know i it's funny because as I say that and I never use this in my my talk, but I said it and the thought came to me, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, my dad uh, was an engineer, an electrical engineer and he worked uh, he was head of the engineering department for uh, a, a large uh, chain of supermarkets, uh, very well known here in 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 Canada, in Quebec in particular, uh, Steinberg's. Um, and at the age of sixty-two, so in in those days he, he was still, you know, re- the retirement age was sixty-five. Mm. Talking a long time ago, he's been dead thirty-three years now. Um, he at the age of sixty-two, he was fired from his job. My dad was a, an amazing man, but he was not a very political man he didn't know how to operate the 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 politics of of boardrooms and he struggled for 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 a long time he uh, had a heart attack he you know he he tried to get on his feet and s- actually started doing some consulting work uh he was i, I don't remember he was an electrical engineer specifically mm-hmm. and uh in through his consulting work he um created the design for the very first MRI that came to Montreal. He, you know, he was on in, in the hospital, uh, literally one day before he died, uh, asking for plans that he was working on. He demanded that we bring him his plans in the hospital so he could work on them.
0: Yeah. I get it. The, the beauty is that he got fired. Yes. In a sense, yes.
1: In a sense, yes. Uh, he loved what he did, and he did it until, until his dying breath.
0: Wow. Well, um, absolutely. And we're coming to the end of our time. So yes. To, uh,
1: I'm, I'm wrapping up. I promise you I'm wrapping up. So right. I just wanted to say that um, positive aging research and positive aging practice puts attention on the value of being optimistic and enjoying the potential of older age and also growing our capacities over time. It's still possible, even in an older age. And that is the very definition of reinvention. Cool. I just wanted to share uh, with you, uh, if anybody wants to know more information, I have a- uh,
0: um... You have it in the chat box already.
1: We can... Oh, yeah, fantastic, wonderful. It's about
0: invention and in aging and it's a bitly link and it's a clickable link. So they're able to just click
1: and go. That's if you want to join my mailing list and just learn more about what, what to do. But if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can do that also very easy email address. It's my name, Danielle at Danielle silverman.com.
0: And I got a whole story about that too. Uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was Jackie, is there time for me to share a poem before we end? A short poem. All right. Yeah. So this is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. uh, And I just love the message in here. He says, what lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. Do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. The earth laughs in flowers. Live in the sunshine, swim the sea, drink the wild air. Write it on your heart that every day is the best day of the year. To be great is to be misunderstood. Trust thyself, every heart vibrates to that iron string. Nothing great was ever achieved without enthusiasm. Nature always wears the colors of the spirit.
0: That was lovely. And I was pondering something you said earlier about contributing. Mm
1: -hmm. And I
0: realized that we contribute until the day we die and sometimes beyond depending, but definitely the day that we die. And the challenge that I see is that most people don't consciously choose what they contribute. And we contribute whether it's conscious or not Right. And so the whole movement you're involved in is about us choosing consciously what we contribute while we're alive.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's I about it's about anticipating, mm-hmm. that the change, designing what we want to do, and mm-hmm. then implementing it.
0: There we go. All right, everyone. First, Danielle. Thank you.
1: Thank very, you very much. Thank you.
0: Hang on, we'll be back.